Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, February 21st, and we're checking in on Mercado Libre. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis. And I'm joined by Fool.com's Danny Venna. Danny, how's it going? It's been a little while. It, it has been a while. It's going good. How's it going for you? No complaints. Uh, I, I'm sure that you're just living it up and having a very wonderful San Diego day right now. Um, you know, the weather outside is about 75 and sunny. It's never frightful in the, in San Diego, the weather outside. Uh, it's been okay. It's been mild over here, so I can't really complain. Uh, it has been excellent conditions uh, if you're Mercado Libre. Uh, this is this is a company that has been absolutely on fire over the last year or so. Um, you are like the expert on Mercado Libre. I think you are like the chief evangelist of Mercado Libre here at The Motley Fool. You've been covering the stock for such a long time. Uh, for the folks that are not familiar, this is kind of the Amazon, eBay, PayPal, Craigslist, insert whatever fintech type thing you want to throw in there, of South America. They do a lot, and they do it well. So, I'm happy to have you on today's show. Well, thank you. I I actually bought into Mercado Libre probably about 11 years ago, and I've been banging the table for the company ever since. (laughs) Safe to say that you're sitting on some pretty big gains. Uh, That is safe to say. In (laughs) fact, uh, in my retirement portfolio, it's become my second or third largest position. Uh, I'm sitting on some gains as well, mostly because you told me to buy the stock a couple years ago, uh, and I started doing some homework. Very happy. I'm not sitting on your kind of gains, but I am sitting on some big gains. And even people that have bought over the last year or so are sitting on some sizable gains for this company. Um, We're going to start out now with some of the recent earnings results. They reported just over a week ago, and so we have an updated look at the numbers, and it seems like the growth story for this company is just continuing. It, it is. Um, I'll, I'll just take a look at some numbers here. So, revenue was $674 million, up 57% year-over-year, which is phenomenal growth. Um, now, there was a net loss of $54 million, um, which came out to about $1.11 a share, which was more than what Wall Street was predicting. Um, that was the result of a lot of investments that Mercado Libre's management has been making in sales and marketing, particularly uh, in the marketing arena. They've had a huge ad campaign that uh, was supposed to let consumers know the ones that don't know, let them know that the company exists and it's out there. And there are already quite a few that do. I think over 300 million registered users uh, on their e-commerce platform. And that point you made right there about management, kind of signposting that this was going to be happening, that we were going to be getting some more marketing spend coming, is exactly why you got to dig into the commentary from management, get a sense of what's actually going on with the business beyond the core numbers. Um, we we spend a lot of time with this company talking about how you know they are in. A lot of different countries. I think over a dozen different countries, and they are collect eighteen eighteen different countries. So a dozen and a half different countries, and uh, many of them with local currencies. So you have a business that is taking all these local currencies, trying to make it all into one nice tidy number for us to make sense of. And uh, there's some messiness that comes with that. So we look at both what we see in terms of dollars, but we really focus on some of the core business metrics with this company as well. 
That's true. Uh, you know, from an operational standpoint, if you're just looking to get away from some of the, you know, translation issues from the foreign currency exchange rate issues, there are several operational metrics you can look at. Um, as you mentioned earlier, confirmed registered users, uh, that metric is up 20% year over year. The number of unique buyers is up 27% compared to this time last year. The number of items sold is up 28%. And their shipping bid business, uh, Mercado Envios, um, is also booming. The number of items shipped last year increased 49, or last quarter increased 49% year over year. It's, um, I almost was going to say those are impressive growth rates for a mature company, but you can't even call this a mature company. They're mature in the sense that they have this platform with hundreds of millions of users, and they're putting up some really impressive growth on top of that. The reality is they are so early in the land grab for e-commerce, for um, really being kind of the go-to destination for most things commerce. And one of the easiest ways you can really see that is if you look over at their Mercado Pago product, um, you know we we just highlighted some numbers that are a little bit more about their classic e-commerce business. The payments business for this company is getting big really fast. It is, and and just for listeners who may not you know be familiar with this, back a dozen years or so ago, um, when a portion of Mercado Libre was owned by eBay. At the same time that it was that eBay owned PayPal, they modeled Mercado Pago after PayPal. Um, now, it bears noting there's a lot of people in Latin America that don't have a bank account, don't have credit cards. It's a, it's a mostly a cash-based society. As a result of that, in order to get people to buy things on their e-commerce site, they set up Mercado Pago, and they worked it out so that. They have a network of places like convenience stores where people can go in, they can turn in some cash, have that cash transferred to their Mercado Pago account, and then they can use it like a credit card. Yeah, and that's a huge, huge offering for an area that is so largely unbanked. And it was something that was kind of built out of necessity, like you said before. It was really more of something that was, you know, we're trying to build this e-commerce platform, we're trying to build an online marketplace, and we need people to be able to transact in that marketplace. It turns out, though, that once you build the ability for people to make digital payments, they're going to use it for things that are not just specific to the platform that you've built. Well, you know, it started out just as a payment method that was used on Mercado Libre's um, platform, on their website, where people could conduct e-commerce transactions. It became so popular, in fact, that other uh, digital sellers started coming to them and say, hey, we'd like to accept Mercado Pago on our website. And from there, it got to be so huge. Mercado Libre's management had the foresight to say, well, let's see if some of the off-platform merchants, some of the brick and mortar and physical retailers want to use this as a payment method. And from there, it's just exploded. It's really amazing. If you look at the numbers for the most recent quarter, total payment volume, so basically what they are allowing to be processed, up to $8.7 billion, up 64% year over year. And that would be impressive enough. But you mentioned that off-platform. That's about half of that payment volume right now, up over 100% year over year, and even more in local currencies. 
Um, I think what they maybe accidentally stumbled onto is a much larger growth lever than they probably originally imagined. Uh, I'm sure that that's true. Their uh, payment transactions are up 127% year over year. Um, the number of, uh, let's see, oh, the, the total payment volume that you mentioned, that's up 99% year over year in local currencies. Um, the off-platform, that's up to $4.7 billion out of 8.7, and that's up 176% year over year. And it's brilliant. It really is. They've they've been so smart in creating this online payment space, and they've done a lot of other really interesting things to help expand the scope of the network that they're creating. You know, one of the one of the things that I am most impressed with is the pivot that they've been able to make to that mobile point of sale. And so the idea with the mobile point of sale is, you know, you're connected with Mercado Pago, you're able to um, hop in and make payments. But think of mobile point of sale as kind of like a square reader. Or a credit card acceptor um, that immediately takes what would probably otherwise be a cash transaction and puts it on this network. That's right. And it, amazingly, they took a cue from Square. They went out and they had uh, these readers made specifically for their audience, or bought one off the shelf that was just you know custom for what their uh, users needed, and began selling them at cost. So now they're drawing people into the ecosystem, and more and more merchants are accepting Mercado Pago as a payment method. More and more customers are using it, and it's just a virtual uh, cycle that's going to continue. And it's it, honestly, it was brilliant what they did. And the growth rate again staggering. Uh, point of sale total payment volume up 126 percent year over year. It's hard to find a part of this business that you don't like. There are just so many things that are going in the right direction. And we've talked a little bit before about how they've been able to look at very successful models uh, with U.S. companies and then adopt them. There's also been interest from some of those U.S. companies. There's a little bit of a symbiotic relationship there. There is. Uh, if you go back to March of last year, um, you know, after the eBay and PayPal split, um, PayPal went out on their own. They've been doing a phenomenal business. PayPal went and sought out uh, Mercado Libre and said, we want to invest in your business. We want to invest in your growth. So in conjunction with uh, an equity um, issue that they did, and some private funding that they got from outside, uh, PayPal, $750 million equity investment into Mercado Libre. Um, so from one of the premier fintech companies, one of the most uh, you know, successful digital payment processors, that was a huge vote of confidence. And another stock that's done incredibly well too, right? We'll add that to the uh, list of description for PayPal. Um, what what I think I'm most struck by with Mercado Libre is the growth has been incredible, and it would be really easy to say at this point, you know, how long can they keep this going? Really, I mean, we're looking at triple digit growth rates year over year in so many of these different segments. Surely things are going to slow down a little bit, Danny. Uh, the reality is no. I think there's still a lot of greenfield ahead of them. Um. If you would go back and look at Amazon a decade ago and say there's no way it can grow anymore, um, similar mindset here. 
Um, the population in Latin America is about 642 million people. So it's nearly twice the population of the U.S. But at the same time, their e-commerce transactions only represent less than 3% of total retail in the region. Now, if you compare that to the United States, we're at about 11%. So the number of transactions can triple just based on the e-commerce business. Uh, and then they have twice the population that's in the U.S. So you're already talking multiple uh, opportunities for growth right there. And that's even if their business itself didn't grow, if they just roped in more people that were already there. But then once people get on the platform and they start transacting business, they use Mercado Pago for payments, they use Mercado Envious for shipping, then what they find is that the net promoter scores, which is how likely a customer is to recommend this business to a friend, they skyrocket. And so I, I really can't say enough about not only how successful this company has already been, but how successful I think it will continue to be for years to come. You know, I think that this is really a case of the network effect in full swing. You know, this is a company that everything they roll in, it continues to make the offering stronger and stronger. And all of these different services just reinforce the strength of the overall offering. You know, it's so much easier to use Mercado Libre if you're on Mercado Pago. Uh, if you are looking to make payments, hey, Mercado Pago is there. Maybe that's the entryway for some people. And then they discover this awesome e commerce platform as well. It, you know, there are so many different ways into the platform, whether you decide to use their mobile wallet, you use the shipping, you use the payments, you buy things on the platform. Um, there are so many people on the platform now transacting business that a number of large retailers are coming to them and say, hey, we want to be on your platform now. We want to set up a store on the Mercado Libre platform because that's where everybody is. So I think a lot of folks who are a little bit more familiar with this company might realize that so much of what we see today is truly the vision of CEO Marcos Galperin, right? This is this is someone who I think saw e-commerce early, saw digital payments early, saw the early success that it was happening here in the United States, decided that this was something to bring to other markets and did a great job with it. Um, there are probably some folks that got a little bit of a scare last week when they were reading news, particularly if they were a reader of the Buenos Aires Times, uh, because there was, a, there was a news piece that came out that their CEO uh, and longtime CEO, founder, was stepping down from the company. And as is so often the case, you know, you, you can't really trust what you hear at first glance. You need to dig into the details a little bit. And it turns out that he was stepping down as the head of the Mercado Libre platform in Argentina. So he's not going to manage that local platform anymore. Somebody else is going to manage that local platform in Argentina, and he's going to focus more on his CEO duties. Um, unfortunately, some of the you know folks misunderstood or Google didn't translate well or, you know, any number of miscommunications could have happened. But what the story was being spread was that uh, 
he was actually stepping down as CEO of Mercado Libre, which turned out not to be true. Yeah, I think my heart skipped a beat there for a second as, <laughs> as a shareholder of this company because he's done such a great job. And uh, it was only compounded by the fact that I saw this one news item about it, and it was literally the only English news result about the topic. Um, all the other ones were in Spanish. And so I was like frantically using Google Translate trying to understand you know, what these Spanish language sites were saying in English. Um, finally, I just had to turn to folks who knew a little bit more about this company, um, and they directed me to you because you had reached out to their investor relations team to get the skinny. I, I did. I, I actually have a long time uh, correspondence going with their investor relations department, having asked them a number of questions over the last decade. And when I reached out to Federico Sandler, who is the head of their investor relations department, he said, this is a restructuring of authorities of our local subsidiaries in Argentina, picked up by the local press and poorly communicated. This is something we do in the ordinary course of business and implies no changes to the management of the corporation. So to be clear, Marcos Galperin remains the CEO and Pedro Arndt the CFO. And again, that's courtesy of Federico Sandler, head of the investor relations department of Mercado Libre. I'm glad you were able to talk me and probably a couple other people off the ledge there, Danny. Uh, you know, when when you have a management team that has been so successful for such a long time, uh, they become such an important part of the story for the stock because you know, just because they've grown to be a company that is worth tens of billions of dollars doesn't mean they can't keep growing. Uh, but it would be a lot harder without him at the helm. I, you know, I think we were all kind of glad that uh, Marcos is going to continue. Uh, you know, helming the ship there. Uh, it's been so successful, and I have high hopes for it to have even greater success. So I'm, I'm glad that he's sticking around. And I'm certainly of the opinion that while it has gone on an incredible run, I think in 2019 it was up about 90%. To date in 2020, it's up over 20%. Uh, it would be easy to look at that and say, you know the gains have been had with this stock. I don't think that's the case. You know we talk about the e-commerce penetration rate, and it is so low. We look at what's going on in terms of the number of users they have, and and it's still a fraction of the overall market in many of the countries that they operate in. And then they have all these other services that they can roll in as well. It just seems like there are so many different ways for this business to continue to grow, and it will probably be several times larger than it currently is another five or ten years from now. I'm certainly banking on that. I'm not selling a single one of my Mercado Libre shares. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, you know we we've talked about it in the past, but because of the forex hits that this company will face, um, there can be some crazy lumpiness to their results. And uh, you know it's it's one if you're going to buy worth buying into over time because depending on what's going on with some of these local economies. There can be some real issues with what they report on the top and bottom line, and that can give you a really good access point if you're looking to buy shares. Well, and and it's also worth noting, you know, that this company is not without risk. Um, we're dealing with Latin America, and you can look through, you know, the last several years. There have been political scandals. There's been uh, hyperinflation in some countries. There's been political dissidents. Um, there's been corruption. There are a number of things when you're dealing with so many different countries. Um, and, and you mentioned the foreign currency exchange rate. You know, sometimes that can have a huge impact on if you just look at the U.S. dollar numbers um, because of 
Securities and Exchange Commission rules. They have to bring all those dollars in trans or all of the, sorry, the foreign currency rates and translate those to dollars for the financial reports. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know that's what the growth rate is because it, it helps looking at those growth rates in uh, you know the local currencies. We say this often with companies. I think it's particularly true for this one. It's okay to buy small and buy often. You know, when when you have a company that's exposed to this many risks um, and this many different local economies, it's okay to work into that position over time. And just as a case in point for that, between August 2019 and November 2019, stock was down almost 30%. You go from November 2019 to present up about 50%. And so you don't want your cost basis tied to any one point in time with any company, um, but you certainly don't with one like this. Well, and this is certainly a poster child for you know buying the stock, getting to know it, and understand that because this this stock is so volatile that there are a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, to buy it at a at a cheaper uh, at a cheaper price. Now that said, um, it can also run, um, and as you've said, I mean, over the last year, the stock's up a hundred percent. So people who would have, you know, bought and said, oh, there's there's not much more, you know, that this can or didn't buy because there's not much more the stock can go, were surprised. Oh, I'm waiting for it to drop. Well, that drop never came. <laughs> That's why it's good to have some cash on the sidelines. You know, you can drop that in anytime that you see uh, shares of stocks that you want to buy uh, at a little bit of a discount. Always nice to have a watch list. Always nice to have a little bit of cash to make sure that you can act on that watch list when those moments come. It, you know, it, uh, it's it's the. The hallmark of a seasoned investor you're talking about there, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're starting out, Danny, you know you might only have five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. It's it's hard to do a lot with five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, even with the advent of fractional shares and everything like that. So I understand the temptation, but once you start getting that base, you know you can uh, you can leave a little bit on the side and be opportunistic. Um, thank you so much I for. Certainly have. We have to be right. I mean, we have to be. Um, thank you so much for hopping on today's show, Danny. Always a pleasure to talk with you and talk Mercado Libre in particular. The pleasure is all my, Dylan, and uh, I'll be happy to come back. <laughs> all right, listeners, before we wrap, just a quick favor I'm going to ask. If you've been listening to some of the other shows over the past week and a half, you might have heard this already. We're taking a quick survey of our listeners, and I'd love it if you could participate. It helps us get a better sense of who is listening to the show. And no matter how long you've been a listener or how frequently you listen, it's a quick, easy, and anonymous thing that you can do to help us out uh, and help us when we're talking to advertisers about supporting the show. There is a listener survey link down in the description of this episode. Uh, you can click it there and then find all the information you need. Thanks in advance for helping us make that happen. Otherwise, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. And if you want more stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. It's Friday, so we're going to be playing things out with checks and balances by full-time Fool, Burke, and Grafia. For Danny Venna, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. I've got a million dollars. It's hypothetical. Large amount in my bank account. It's parenthetical. The money I'm made of is theoretical, so in theory I've got it good. 
My fat wallet is on a diet. My balance sheet is lopsided. My income statement is keeping silent. But let's keep one thing understood. I need checks. I need balances. Life's a mess. With financial challenges, checks and balances. When things get tough, do you do it for money or do you do it for love? My cold hard cash is soft and tropical. My deep pockets are merely topical. I hit the big time. It was microscopical, but don't you get it? I am no fool. I own a bank. I call him Piggy. Brought home the bacon. He got a little wiggy. Cracked him open. What a pity! His inner life was pitiful. I need checks. I need balances. Life's a mess. With financial challenges, checks and balances. When things get tough, do you do it for money or do you do it for love? I know a cheapskate always has a headache trying to get something for free. None more wiser is the miser, always lives in misery. I'm cashing in on triple coupons. Soup kitchen's calling, saying the soup's on. I sing for my supper and get my groove on. I still know how to have fun. I need checks. I need balances. Life's a mess with financial challenges, checks and balances. When things get tough, do you do it for money or do you do it for love? Always has a headache trying to get something for free. None more wiser is the miser. Always lives in misery. I own a bank. I call him Piggy. Brought home the bacon. He got a little wiggy. Cracked him open. What a pity. His inner life was pitiful. I need checks. I need balances. Life's a mess with financial challenges, checks and balances. When things get tough, do you do it for money or do you do it for love? Do you do it for money or do you do it for love?